0: Welcome back once again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. We continue our catching up on reviews. We're going to be reviewing the comics that came out on the date of 9th of February 2022. It's so good to be catching up. And so your host is always Alan, owner of Coffee and Heroes, a comic book store or having listened back to a previous one according to Keith, the comic book store in Belfast, Northern Ireland and joined by the aforementioned Keith. Good
1: evening. How are you? I am not too bad on this Wednesday evening. Didn't manage to get in to pick up my pull list this new comic book day, but I'll be in tomorrow. Uh, However, I have finished my pull list from last week. See,
0: this is the real reason we're doing well, catching up on these things now, because Keith is up to date on comics, and uh, I'm not too far behind myself. I'm a little bit ahead of this week's already with some some pre-release reading which is very naughty of me but has to be done from time to time but it's
1: like uh it's like blasphemy in a number of ways whenever you say you're caught up with this week's and so for me you know that would make me assume you've caught up on the previous weeks but that's not the case is that, no, that one
0: no we have very different reading habits you know i get straight to the batman <laughs> stuff when it comes out every week regardless of <laughs> regardless of where i am i mean to give you an indication dear listener this week alone there was batman one dark night there was dc versus vampires which very bat heavy had Beyond the White Knight, you had uh, Shadow War, and I read them all on Monday, or Tuesday morning, sorry, I should say. But I threw some Marvel in as well, you know, a little bit of a swan song for Tom Taylor at Marvel. But that's all a future podcast when we're reviewing the 30th of March releases. We're, we're a few weeks away from there yet, but uh, again, we're endeavouring to be caught up as quickly as we can. So, as I say, it's 9th of February titles we're going to be going through here, and there was some really, really good stuff here. I mean, I was, I was writing my reviews today. And sometimes when you're writing your reviews, you're sort of thinking to yourself, I should go back and read that. That actually was really, really good. Uh, but we just don't have the time, do we, dear dear listener? But anyway, 9th of February. So totals for me, so 23 titles in total this release week. So very heavy in the DC and India, a smaller Marvel week for me this week. So I had 9 DC, I had 4 Marvel, and then it was 10 Indie. And what about yourself? What were your totals?
1: I'm sitting three below you. I've got 20 titles this week, in the week of the 9th of February. Uh, 8 DC, 7 Marvel and 5 indie. so fairly well split. We wee bit low on the Indie side.
0: Yeah, that is quite low for an Indie week, so just obviously one of those quieter weeks. But even looking through our sort of selections here, it's, it's quite a good mix of stuff actually. Some decent Indies, some good Marvel, some good DC, and we both revert to type for picks of the week as well. So, <laughs> But that's again me getting ahead of us. So yeah, quick picks we always go with first. We always keep the spoilers to a minimum but there will be the odd one here and there here as we as we go through them so i'll go first the first honorable mention this week for me it was seven secrets number 14 i bet you've never heard me talk about this title before uh written by tom taylor and art by daniel dina so we're approaching the end game for seven secrets you know it's again i've mentioned it recently i only found out it was finished in 18 recently and things are very much getting more and more real with each passing issue. There's loyalties tested, stakes raised, characters sacrificed for the greater good and only the end of the known world at stake of course as well. So it kind of makes sense that it's going towards its ending at this point because you know where do you go from here really? But with issue 14 it's it's definitely one of the most action-packed issues of this series and this is really good because it allows series co-creator and artist Daniel Dinaculo, their time to shine. You know we You know, when we talk about things like Seven Secrets and we talk about Tom Taylor, we obviously hammer home how great the writing is. I think maybe sometimes we overlook the the art. We we pick it out the odd time, but we're always full of praise for Tom Taylor with the story twists and and character dynamics and stuff. But with this issue, I thought everything felt big and impactful, you know, from apocalyptic visions to large battles and defense against attack in the form of seekers and protectors. So Casper, being our main uh, protagonist, of course, gets to show off many of his powers in this issue with without any need for full explanation at this point. You know, was he born with these powers? Were they given to him when he was in that other dimension? Although more will be revealed soon. We may have read 15. And he is very much a force to be reckoned with as well. And he's getting more and more comfortable in control of these powers. So, as well as the action stuff, there is some story progression in this issue with Kanto's portrayal that i promise kanto is correct i look at that about three times every time going is that not the little tin knight from the idw's anyway uh (laughs) kanto's betrayal is becoming even more apparent and he's he's eliminating more and more of his former friends and allies with the help of amon in a bid to secure the most dangerous secret of all so yeah just another great issue i thought the countdown has begun just four issues to go sadly
1: yes really enjoying us enjoyed it enjoyed it from the start really um but uh, and it's a great mythology. It's it's that sort of real sort of character very often takes you know precedence over the over the story sometimes with with Tom Taylor, which is no bad thing because characters drive the story. But uh, it's a nice balance here, uh, and yeah, uh, the uh, yeah leading into issue fifteen and the cliffhanger there, which we'll talk about further down the line. I'm quite sure was fantastic. Yeah, a wee bit of a shock to find that this was finishing in eighteen for us both, I think. But uh, yeah. all good things must come to an end that they must but i'm always i'm always happy for
0: series to come to an end as long as that was the planned intention you know it's nothing to do with sales it's nothing to do with artists or writers going on the other projects so you, you kind of get the feeling this was a quite a meticulously planned series so I, i'm happier with that rather than it stretched on to 25 and it may you know maybe losing a little bit of its impact a little bit so nah, i'm fine with 18 i've i've come to terms with it. it's taken me a few weeks but i've come to terms with it but uh, yeah, yeah. With 7 secrets 14 first pick for me so an indie pick what about an indie one for yourself
1: yeah uh, also uh also sticking with indie here and if uh, 7 secrets is a fairly sort of light and airy sort of a story in some parts uh, this is quite the opposite uh Daisy 3 is just is quite dark and foreboding uh, if you like stories that are dealing with the occult and ancient biblical mythology then this is right up your street. Daisy 3 opens with an attack on the nearby town. The attack is cried out by Daisy's um, resurrected animal carcasses that she, she brought back to life in the previous issue. And Lindsay, who's our protagonist here, argues that it feels wrong, kill the townspeople is a distraction, but Daisy's trying to distract her father. You know, she counters back that the deaths are necessary to earn the creator's forgiveness. It's all very, it's all very uh, you know, Fundamentalist, you know, with, with regard to that sort of thing. But um, the only proof that Daisy needed was the the resurrection of Lindsay herself, um, and as the uh, as the group, you know, was Daisy and Lindsay and some of the children come to the church, and inside the church, the mystery around Lindsay's son Connor, who disappeared, that's who she's come to this town to look for, is finally solved. Um, number three is it's a very it's a powerful issue. It doesn't hold back on on being graphic. None of the, uh, I mean, none of the story really has, and uh, y- you know, you've you've got that sort of slightly a feeling that you're witnessing a, a cult, but it's hard to decide, you know, whether Daisy is, you know, the 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 counter, the alternative to that, the cult that's led by her potentially deluded father, or if she herself is the is the cult leader, and then you've got the, you know, the underlining or underlying origin of the cannibalistic giants has been the 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 progeny of the the union between angels and humans and that's sort of you see that and and mark the father who claims to be an angel angel and, uh, and daisy the daughter who is this sort of giant uh you know um you know does, does her being this sort of disfigured giant make him an angel you know it's it's, it's there's a lot there's a lot going on uh, it's a it's a Twisted Dark Teal, indeed.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've you've mentioned Colin Lorimer before in this this podcast a few times, of course, the creator of this one. And he's done some quite dark series in the past as well. You know, he did one called Harvest, which was to do with human uh, organ trafficking, which was, was very, very dark. He did mm-hmm. one called The Hunt, which jumped into Irish horror and Irish mythology as well. And having had the pleasure to actually meet him in person, he's like one of the sunniest, happiest people you'll ever meet. And yet they pull out <laughs> these dark, dark stories. You wonder where it comes from sometimes
1: yeah uh, so i mean you, you sort of wonder you know the likes of stephen king you know one of the greatest horror writers in the world and he's probably quite well adjusted because he gets it all out onto the page
0: that's a good way to look at it his writing is therapy for him i suppose and you mm-hmm. know maybe it's something similar with colin armor but yeah with daisy it's just slated to be five issues i think isn't it i
1: think that's it yeah they the cover for issue four is a doozy
0: yeah, it'd be uh it'd be a shame if it didn't continue beyond that because as you say there's a rich mythology going here it's it's a comic i find you have to concentrate a little bit on because there are a lot of moving parts mm. and a lot of characters and ideas and themes being thrown at you so it'd be a shame for all that mythology building to be there and then it maybe not to continue on but same again it's, it's always that that thing is not it? it's mini series versus ongoings. you know do you want more of something you're enjoying or do you just want it to end satisfyingly so it's uh it's definitely an interesting theory. So, yeah. So that's Daisy number three. And speaking again about another finite run that is really being enjoyed, I think by both of us. But I think I mentioned in every single pod is uh, Devil's Reign number four. <laughs> uh, Chipsidarski, of course, Marco Ciccetto on art. And I'm I'm starting to think that if you actually listen to the podcasts of the last few months' reviews, you'll just be able to pick out all the Devil's Reign reviews, and you won't even have to read the title because I just <laughs> tell you what's happening <laughs> in every single issue. But for me it just it continues to be so good it deserves to be mentioned every time and i think with events as well what's interesting about issue four it's not often that we're afforded a time jump in events you know what i mean there's usually uh, a status quo status quo gets interrupted by the bad guy good guys get uh, grouped together good guys overcome new status quo is is revealed but with this one you actually have a time jump um and Given that it's only around six issues long, I think this is a is you know a nice turn of pace, you know. So a full two weeks have passed in between issues, and so many heroes are now in jail. But as we all know, that can mean only one thing: jailbreak. Uh, this is a great sequence, you know. It allows Marco Chichetto to shine. He he showcases some great moments, especially with Reed and Sue, as well as Moon Knight. And get ready for this one between Chip and Marco. They even make Tony Stark somewhat relatable. Pray, pray, tell a miracle. Uh, but yeah we're given more and more information on the new setup of New York with Fisk's version of the Thunderbolts locking the city down you've got you know Otto's drones providing eyes everywhere and it always seemed to for our heroes to be back in the game you know overall you know a villain may just have to decide that they don't like the way Fisk is running things after all and may just help in taking him down I won't reveal the identity of the so-called traitor here but it's a very well handled transition and makes sense given the character's history and relationship with the notion of honour And of course, we're focusing mostly on Daredevil in this series. Matt's position is very interesting in this issue, I think, is he's somewhat rejecting the help of those around him, and he thinks there may be only one way to end Fisk's reign of terror. And, And that's an extreme that he has promised himself he would never even consider again. I mean, if you think of the whole Daredevil run by Zdarsky, and how it kicked off with that accidental death, and Matt feeling all of his Catholic guilt and needing to atone for his sins and needing to serve time. For him to then be in that place again sort of shows how far he's been pushed in this. Mix in Fisk's troubled relationship with his own son at this point. And suddenly, you know, and and this is what Sadarsky's done so well the whole way through Daredevil and now Devil's Reign. Both characters are essentially a mirror image of each other and that they're essentially going it alone at this stage. And then, of course, there's the case of that cliffhanger as Fisk remembers what he thought was lost to him forever. Daredevil's identity. So again, you'll be bored hearing me say it, but you know, just great storytelling. Make sure to hit up the trade when it's collected if you're if you're late to the party. If of course you haven't had it all spoiled for you by me.
1: <laughs> that cliffhanger was a beaut That's one of the most powerful cliffhangers I've seen in in the in the big two in quite some time.
0: Yeah, beautifully rendered as well, you know, pouring with rain, just that sense of you know, because Fisk has always felt the whole way through this like violated essentially you know he's like look i knew something and someone has taken that from me and so it's all that rage and annoyance and power just feeds into him in one go and yeah just this was one of the ones that as i was sort of writing this review and flicking through the issue i was just remembering why this series is so so good so yeah devil's rain four we've got two more issues of the main series and then there'll be a devil's rain omega issue which then links to back to uh, chip and marco taking over the reins on daredevil again great great stuff
1: uh, certainly um i'm gonna i'm gonna swing into your pond uh dc for a, a couple of issues now um this one is superman the son of kal number eight by uh, by tom taylor you may have heard him <laughs> mentioned already today um we, we, the, we
0: promise not to mention them again
1: <laughs> the uh the 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 huge sea monster the leviathan is that you love that word don't you is uh, nearing Metropolis. Not and as it's...
0: much as you enjoy telling me how to pronounce it.
1: <laughs> and it's up to uh, to to John Kent, Superman, and uh, Jackson Hyde, the younger Aquaman, to be able to, to 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 take it down or 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 sort it out before it hits uh, before it hits Metropolis and, and causes absolute destruction. Uh, on the other side, we've got uh, we've got Henry Bendix's Gam- Gamora cor- Corpse, who are attempting to kill the perp- creature and they're potentially making things worse while you know when our heroes are trying to turn it around calm it down um let's say this is a this is a Tom Taylor joint with pencils by Kian Tormey it's the second part of a two part story which sees you know Tom Taylor plotting this tightly enough that you know each of the individual issues could be really enjoyed by themselves um i mean the the the, the book looks like wide open and airy, you know, and uh, you've got this massive creature and sometimes our heroes are absolutely just specks next to it. But there's also a lot of sort of stress and, and uh, pain in the story. Uh, and it's it sort of, I felt there was definitely a nod towards human and just climate change, you know, that's caused primarily by the corporate bastardy of the likes of Lex Luthor and Henry Bendix, uh, who, are, uh, who are the stand-ins for for those kinds of individuals in this story, that you know that that, it's that that climate change that has awakened the creature and has caused this threat to Metropolis in the first place, so hence you can see the very obvious, the very obvious uh, nod there. But you know, Tom Taylor doesn't really he doesn't beat us over the head with it. You know, he lets us come to that ourselves, and neither does he fantasize John's new relationship, which is nice to see in comics. You know, it's not, it's not uh, sort of overwrought or, or totally front and center. It's there there for us all They appreciate, you know. The story has the burgeoning young Superman in a very difficult position. He's understanding, once again, that winning doesn't necessarily come without a cost. It's action-packed, uh, but it's also a story that allows the reader into the head of John Kent. And, you know, he's definitely a Superman that might care just a little bit too much. And, uh, you know, with this story, you know, it's a, it's a sea monster making its way towards metropolis you know it's 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 been done before but Tom takes this throwaway concept and just makes it awesome
0: yeah Superman so son of is a strange one because I'd let my issues build up for a little while and you know I'm obviously more of a Batman guy and then after that I'm a you know flash guy and after that I'm swamp thing guy and Superman always falls down my my pecking order and and I just as I say I let a few build up but I got caught up in this about a week ago and read four or five in a row and as i was reading it i just kept thinking to myself why did i let this sit to the side again it's so <laughs> well put together it's it makes you think it's um there's a lot of stuff that's obviously you know aimed at our times right now and yeah it's a book that it obviously polarizes people due to you know personal decisions made for the character but comics have always been at the forefront of inclusion always been at the mm-hmm. forefront of you know representation and so many people dismiss this book just out of hand without even reading it, you know, they form their (laughs) opinions early and it's, but it's just some great old fashioned superhero tales as well. Yeah,
1: it's it's old fashioned superheroes done in a new way you know, in a a modern way, but I mean, I also wouldn't uh, wouldn't discount Action Comics which is where Clark Kent is at the minute uh, and what's happening in War because that stuff is cool too
0: yeah, I've got to get on the trade of that because I haven't, as I mm. say, I'm not a huge Superman guy, but enough enough people whose opinion I trust are telling me more and more about how good action comics is at the moment. So I really need to get on that. And as I say, I think I'll, I'll hit up the trade on that. So yes, mm. Superman, Superman, Son of Kal-El, number eight. So we'll swing back around to the indie section for my next one. And this is a, a series called Life Zero. This is written by Stefano Vietti. And speaking of the artist in Devil's Rain and how good his work is there, this is another case of fallen creators. You know, the, the mantra that we sort of, you know, impose upon the store, you know, it bears fruit once again, as it meant I was always going to pick up this title. The artist being, of course, Marco Ciccetto, who does such great work in Devil's Rain. And this is from a smaller indie label. It's a, a label called Ablaze Comics. And they want you to know Marco Cicchetto's on board as the banner at the top of the cover reads <laughs> from the artist of Daredevil and Devil's Reign. So, but, but it's it's good because these smaller titles, you might miss out on them sometimes. You know, we obviously try and point out everything we can in the previous books. But, you know, for labels like this, you don't get massive print runs. So it's, it's always important to know about it in advance. So, but yeah, I'm very glad I picked this up. You know, the first issue was great. Uh, it set up both an interesting plot and an interesting world to explore. So the synopsis talks about an event called the cloud, uh, an apocalyptic scenario from which people started dying and maybe coming back to life. But we're not really interested in that too much here. There's not a lot of world building. This issue is a ball to the wall sort of prison escape slash rescue issue. So the, the main characters we follow are a group of highly trained special forces who execute a plan to break into a maximum security prison, which in itself is a nice touch instead of always trying to break out. During what essentially is a zombie apocalypse and and they're doing this in the hope they can rescue a former comrade who was locked up before this mysterious event occurred. So this of course leads to lots of bloody action, lots of cool zombie kills and great visuals all around. I mean, we we speak about it before, we were already fans of Chichetto before this, but it's always great, I think, to see an artist flexing their muscles at something else because if you're working for the big two, you know, over the top gore and action is probably a big no-no. It doesn't matter if it's Marvel or it's DC. Uh, unless i suppose you can get into black label books or, or marvel uh, you know max series something like that but with something like this you've got the freedom maybe just to go a little bit nuts and it works really well for this scenario so yeah i've read issue two as well of this uh um, you know it came out a few a few weeks later and an issue two settled down into some great character work to go with the blistering action of issue one so this is a title i'll I'll very much be sticking with i, I don't think this was one you were you were on
1: no didn't grab i'm i'm trying to make a trying to make a concerted decision to try and uh, and keep keep things fairly tight with regard to to what i'm picking up because as you know it's very easy to go mad and just pick up everything <laughs> um but yeah it sounds, sounds very, interesting. It sounds yeah, it's very good. interesting it's
0: good fun you know it's good fun and uh this is the joy of you know having a friend who owns a comic book store you can borrow my copy anytime you want <laughs>
1: quite i appreciate that And i uh, I'm, I'm making a list List. <laughs> it's getting
0: longer uh um, so life zero number one so a little bit of an indie there but once again we're swinging back to dc at your behest
1: yes indeed for i am batman number six uh which is great um it almost feels a wee bit like um do you remember whenever agents of shield started on tv and uh and it was just before captain america 2 came out mm-hmm. uh the winter soldier and it was like agents of shield the, they had like 10 episodes or something before cap came out and revealed that in fact shield was hydra and hydra was shield and it was good mess them up. So it was almost like an agency shield. They were treading water before that and then, and then it sort of, it sort of went off in its own direction. Well, I, I almost feel something similar has happened with John Ridley here and, and uh Jace Fox, the next Batman, because number six is absolutely great. Not that the previous six issues weren't great, but, this this is the perfect jumping on point for new fans as Ridley takes Jace Fox, the next Batman to New York city, making it his new base of operations and, and his much needed status quo. And as I say, I don't mean that the previous five issues were bad by no means, but it all felt too tight and too close to the existing Batman for comfort. You know, Gotham is a big city, but it's too small for two Batman. Um, so what's happened is members of the fox family short of lucius and presumably luke uh batwing um have moved to new york and that means that lucius is still can still be part of the existing bat mythos as the uh the ceo of, of wayne enterprises and such so they've all the rest of them have moved to, to new york nominally to support uh jace's ill sister in getting the best treatment um and also a bunch of batman supporting cast have transferred as well vol who we're now seeing a lot more of in person rather than as a as a sort of a voice in, in jace's ear is uh has been brought along to continue to be jace's somewhat more low-tech oracle um as well as um is it Chubb you called the detective i
0: think so yeah you. uh
1: you know she's transferred to the nypd she wasn't getting on too well and in Gotham City, causing a lot of problems. Not a big fan of Batman. Uh, so she's transferred to the NYPD and she is she's co-opted by the mayor onto, her, onto a special crimes unit. Uh, uh, so she arranges for her partner from from Gotham, Whitaker, to come and join her. Um. So the interesting part is that the issue, it spends quite a lot of time establishing Batman's new relationship with the New York Police Department. So the mayor sees the the benefit in supporting the new Batman and making him part of the team or the leader leader of a of a special crimes unit, which of course Detective Chubb ends up being his liaison. And you know, it's evident this will only last as long as it's it's all you know expedient, expedient politically speaking. You know, add that to the fact that the deputy mayor and the police commissioner are uncomfortable with this support to the point that they are undermining it actively uh, by making Chubb, who's a known as I say a known Batman detractor head of the new special crimes unit. You know, on the other hand, we see that Batman, you know, has a fair bit of backup from the, the street level cops. Uh, and I don't know, I think this is just going to be a really interesting angle to further differentiate the book. And of course, you know, you, you add that to the slightly more realistic twist of this book, you know, when you consider police brutality, when you consider that this Batman is a is a man of color uh you know it's all really it's all racking up to be something really really interesting um and you know in addition to that, I thought it was interesting that this book is closer to the new Batman movie than any of the other existing bat titles you know we've got a we've got a relatively inexperienced batman he's not terribly interested in hunting the killer of of the rich and entitled um i don't know uh, you know. Ridley did it with Batman a few weeks before the movie was released. I wonder, did they did he have an inside track on it?
0: <laughs> Ridley did it first. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a really cool series. I really like it as well. I mean, you really got to feel sorry for that detective that she, you know, transfers out of Gotham and ends up in New York and another bloody Batman turns up. Mm, it just kind of adds uh-huh. to the humor as well as the, the tension of it as well. But But I actually like that idea as well of prioritizing crime cases because it's not. It's not really an angle we've seen with Batman before, you know what I mean? It's When you read a main Batman book or detective comics, there's one big thing that has Batman's attention, and that's it. But I kind of liked in this where they were sort of sent to him, right, you have to investigate this. He's like, I have no interest in that. That, that means nothing to me. You've yeah, yeah. you, never really seen a Batman pick and choose cases, almost like a cop, I suppose. But, yeah, it's yeah. really interesting angle. And, and again, it's there are definitely similarities to the Batman. You know, some of the cops are, are happy here. Some are completely against it. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's some good stuff. It's almost like it's written by an, an Oscar winner, almost.
1: Oh yeah, quite. I mean, <laughs> it's 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 also grittier than you know. It's 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 grittier and a wee bit more on the street, I think, than any of the other. You know, you're, you, there's not so much of that superhero supervillain action. Here, it's there's there's nearly almost the Watchmen sort of a vibe.
0: Hmm.
1: You know how how would Superman? How would how would super people or pe- people with superpowers, superheroes? Gel with the real world, you know. Yeah, you know, it's 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 cool. There's a lot going on. Very very much enjoying it. Very much enjoying it.
0: Yeah, and as Keith says, it's definitely a very very good jumping on point because it's a new city. It's a new setup. The stuff that's come before is definitely worth your time. You know, you had the the mini series, the next Batman as well, Second Son. You you had a lot of building to this point, which is very very good. But. Mm. If you want to dip your toe in and, and see what sort of, you know, the hype is based on what we're talking about, you can certainly jump in at this issue, uh, which is issue six of I Am Batman. So we're going to stay in the wonderful land of DC with my next one. My next pick it was dangerously close to pick of the week material, uh, and it only didn't for obvious reasons, which we'll get to in a bit. But Suicide Squad Blaze number one. So written by Sai Spurrier and art by Aaron Campbell. So... The time, Ooh. yeah, the timing of this title is very much on point, as this, this really felt like a natural extension of the tone of the recent James Gunn take on the Suicide Squad, as well as the Peacemakers show. You know, it's adult-orientated, it's full of violence, full of humour, and just a heck of a lot of fun. And it very much earns its black-label status. I do have to admit that I thought this was the issue that was going to break your staunch stance. Say that five times fast on premium plus (laughs) black label titles you know not because of the story not because of the characters but because of that creative team i mean we've we've talked at length about cy spurrier and aaron campbell you know they they teamed up to produce one of the very best hellblazer runs of all time Uh, a series that was cut down way too early deserved a far bigger audience than it ultimately received though i'm kind of hoping history will be kind to the run and people will go back you know to it over time and see what they've missed so i did think this might just break your premium plus uh you know, premium plus ban that you have.
1: Mm, That didn't though. (laughs) But it will when I
0: talk about it. So uh, yeah, the plot for this, so the plot of this one, Suicide Squad Blaze, it revolves around a rogue superhuman who's traveling the world and, and enjoying a massive killing spree. So of course, only the Suicide Squad can stop them and they will have some new recruits. But the new recruits, what sets them apart is they're prisoners who are offered superhuman powers, but they'll die in three months due to degradation effects on their body. You know, it's the whole make your death mean something sort of premise and it's executed really, really well. You know, it's unsurprising given the writing talent involved. This is a really interesting look at what makes the Suicide Squad tick. You know, these these are not lovable rogues or anti-heroes. They, these are fundamentally damaged people who enjoy doing bad things and they're damn good at it. Thank you very much. You know, uh, the new characters are all really interesting. Our main point of view character is Michael Van Sand who who's given the most screen time, as it were. You know, he's he's one of the few, maybe even actually the only likable character in the book, and he has a crush on a fellow member, which is never reciprocated, but is certainly taken advantage of. You know, he's able to show us, the reader, just how it is to be working for a sociopath, such as Amanda Waller. You know, her moral compass very much, you know, not much better than the criminals themselves. You know, you've got your stalwarts of the recent Suicide Squad in here. You've got Harley Quinn. You've got Peacemaker. You've got Captain Boomerang. And it all combines to... To give you some genuinely laugh out loud moments in the book both from a writing standpoint as well as a visual one you know aaron campbell's art is fantastic here it's perfectly suited to the down and dirty grimy world between the cracks that that these characters inhabit as i said genuinely fantastic first issue and it's it's again a great example of the more adult orientated titles that can excel within the black label banner not everything has to be batman i can't believe i'm saying this but not everything has to be batman and it's also a, a great showcase for the larger format i think you know with excellent artwork you know it won't be any easier for you to store but it justifies the larger format so i am going to throw you my copy of this tomorrow i'm going to bring it in this store uh, for you coming down and i guarantee you will love this you'll still not buy it you'll you'll just borrow my copies but i guarantee you'll love
1: it uh great yeah no i have to say i mean i did look at it I did look at it. I just uh, couldn't overcome my moral objection.
0: <laughs> moral objection. I love the moral side of it. <laughs> I refuse to buy this title. It's a dollar more expensive, and it's bigger, and it doesn't fit in my box. I morally object, Your Honor. Right. <laughs> Case closed.
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah. So, from a premium plus large format title to a regular size comic, with your next one, what do you got?
1: And uh, just, just just despite the premium plus format, I'm switching back to Marvel for this choice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, that's, and that's Moon Knight number eight. Uh, it's become a, a regular visitor to our uh, reviews podcast. And it's, uh, it's absolutely no secret that Jen McKay is killing it at Marvel right now. Uh, companies seem to be putting a load of faith in him. Uh, and you really get the feeling that he's just getting started. And uh, no place more so than uh, at the midnight mission of Moon Knight. Ooh, listen to the alliteration. <laughs> um and this is this is an interesting one because it's very clever use of a tie-in, and that while Devil's Reign has taken Moon Knight off the board, uh McKay doesn't skip a beat uh, with a new face at the Midnight mission, a new face that will continue Moon Knight's work while he's away, and that face is Moon Knight's newest frenemy, Dr. Moon, aka Hunter's Moon, the new uh, antagonist that McKay and Capucho have created at the beginning of their run, and uh, you know they're in this particular issue, they're pitting Hunters Moon against a long-time Moon Knight adver- adversary, uh, Stained Glass Scarlet, I believe was her name, and it's a clever choice given given Hunters Moon an issue to develop while Moon Knight's occupied with one of the the monthly Marvel events was really clever, and uh, give him, it gives McKay the chance to scrape sort of below the surface and what we've already seen and what we've already seen is a pretty cool character uh, and make him more well-rounded, more complex and it just adds potential to the to the future conflict between the two fists of Khonshu, uh and the difference in how they serve him as avatars within the earthly realm. it's It's a rich sort of compelling story. Uh, Hunter's Moon has given an interest in Arc as well as you know showing us his connection to konshu and how that works. And I'm just interested in see how this character evolves within this world in the future.
0: Yeah. As you say, it was a, it was a clever way of, you know, continuing on with your main narrative without disregarding what was going on in the larger Marvel universe. And, you know as, as a slight aside that one shot was actually very very good as well it was uh again that'll be a, a future review i'm sure but it was very very good it was the old classic rorschach you know i'm not in here with you you're stuck in here with me sort of <laughs> oh, yeah very much sort yeah, of set
1: devil's rain midnight
0: yeah yeah so it, very I mean, cool jed mckay i mean he's he continues to climb the charts i mean we we obviously have our favorite creators and people who get mentioned all the time your tom taylor's your tom keen's your chips at you know jed mckay is up there he's he's mentioned almost every pot as well and just putting out some consistently great uh, stuff at marvel at the moment and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. arguably moon Knight's the best of it all
1: yeah yeah arguably i would say i mean the death of the dr strange was was phenomenal it was a, a very different feel in moon Knight. um black cat i didn't read but i'm gonna pick that up you know to pick the trades up for that as well i think and and the stuff that he's been doing i think you know the larger arc marvel stuff you know with uh i think it was timeless was the was the one shot he did the Kang one shot yeah. so um so yeah a lot of, a lot of great stuff a lot of great stuff
0: yeah you wonder if he's being positioned at marvel the same way joshua williamson's starting to be positioned at
1: dc you know maybe shepherding like it a, shepherding it yeah yes definitely i think you know him and jackson and lansing here jumping between the two companies or or i think uh what do they call them yeah i mean they'll, they'll have a name for them i'm sure they do it with do it with artists uh well, i can't even remember what they call that they call the, the raft of artists that they roll out every year. Oh, the Stormbreakers. You know, the Stormbreakers. They could do the same with, uh, with writers right now.
0: Yeah, true. And writers can pump out far more content than artists as well, as uh, artists will consistently remind you. So uh, that. yeah, Moon Knight number eight there for an honourable mention. So we're going to finish off the honourable mentions or quick picks, if you will, with two indie titles then. So for me, it is Radiant Black number 12. So this was written by Kyle Higgins and Megan Camarena. And the art was by French Carlo Magno. And if there's something that us comic fans love, it's symmetry. You know, whether it's spine design, the right amount of issues for a hardcover or just regular size comics, if your name's Keith. A little bit of symmetry and planning goes a long way, and and now just as Radiant Black 6 closed out its first arc with an origin story for one of the other Radiants, in that case it was Radiant Red, Radiant Black 12 does the same trick, this time focusing on Radiant Pink and how they came to be. You know, you have to, you have to love that in a modern comic, reflecting the world we live in right now, that one of these superheroes has an origin story as an influencer. <laughs> Influencers are strange creatures to me in the modern world, you know, in that they present the illusion of a perfect life, whether it's financially so, travel dependent, or simply eating out at the best places in the world. But we never get to see the darker side of it and how they try to keep up with it all. You know, they can be so busy living the perfect life online that they forget to have a proper one in the real world. And that's what's really cool about this story, you know, it's, the pacing of the story works really well, it makes a lot of sense to the overall story, and why the Pink Radiant is also constantly streaming, even in costume. But again, it's, what was what shown with this issue that I liked a lot, was that you're, you're seeing that behind those heroic exploits of the Radiants are real people, with real problems and real pressures, you know, keeping up to date with relationships, keeping up to date with friendships, you know, while it's still having this whole other life, you know, it's it's an idea that a certain stanley himself might just have been proud of and uh further explores the definition of what it takes to be a hero so yeah radiant black it, it continues to be the uh the power ranger scratch that i need to itch without actually reading power rangers
1: <laughs> yeah fair fair i mean i read power rangers and i'm uh, i'm much happier in the radiant black uh, universe yeah i would say so so reading black number 12
0: and then one last uh, honorable for yourself
1: yeah, and I'm quite sure you would have picked it if I hadn't, um, and that's King of Spies number three. Um, I'm finding something very <laughs> therapeutic about uh, King of Spies, and I think it's the fact that Mark Miller and uh, artist uh, Mateo Scalera uh, are having uh, Roland King concoct all sorts of fantastic ways of killing loose people, but also that these loose people are a lot more like our real life villains, you know, the rich, powerful, and untouchable, i.e. the Conservative Party. Um Miller definitely crafts a slick, sort of exciting, tense sort of I don't know, it's like a roller coaster ride of an issue. Um Roland King is is definitely a cool character, like you know, the the edged up James Bond, you know, youth youth is very much not on his side. Uh, you know, he's he's got all these personal flaws. He, he but he's got a self-awareness and it's that it's that self-awareness now that's driving him to do what he's what he's doing and that's what makes him engaging. And the other characters are really interesting including Atticus, an elite agent who happens to be king's son with a hatred for his father who actually this issue comes a lot closer to catching him than he than I think he knows. the, the dynamic between you know the father and the son sort of I'm really looking forward to seeing seeing been being explored but this is very quickly coming to a, an end. You know, they're always the the issues because they're so action packed. They tend to drive you through the reading. Uh, and an issue doesn't doesn't seem to last too long. So I'm not sure we're going to see these things explored. And also, knowing Mark Miller as a writer, that's that, that may also be the case. You know, there's a there's just there's just this great energy. You know, to this series and to this issue, and and a great tension as well. It's smart. It's well paced. You know, and a thrilling and at least a wonderful wonderful cliffhanger and uh mario scalera you know just the the images that he delivers throughout this issue are 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 detailed and, and so well crafted the action is through the roof and, and and very you know visually thrilling and the character moments you know have, have good detail as well you know it's, it's just a great looking issue from from the front cover to the back cover
0: Arguably, for me, Miller's best title of recent times. I think it's tremendous. I, as you say, it's explosive, it's fast paced, but it's got a little something to say as well. You can sort of see the the writer putting forward some of his own views through it, which <laughs> is always satisfying. I mean, Matteo Scalera, I've been a fan of for years. I I always advocate that Black Science is one of the biggest indie titles that not enough people have read. Uh, it was written by Rick Remender, and every art every issue was drawn by Matteo Scalera, and I've always loved his art and you know we're we're again in the fortunate position of having known how this series ends it ends with a you know a giant sized issue four why they didn't just stretch out the five issues is beyond me but it like that's pick of the week material issue four but i thought it ended so so satisfyingly and yeah it'll make a really great trade and and again we you know well i always said anyway mark miller he's, he continues to be the stephen keener comics you know just an abundance of ideas and not all of them hit the spot, but when they do hit right, it is always something really entertaining and and pretty special. So, yeah, I love this. It was it was an awesome one, as you say. If you hadn't put it down as normal mention, I probably would have. So, yeah, def- <laughs> definitely keep an eye out for the trades, guys. If you if you didn't manage to jump on the singles for this, uh, it is something really really good. And let's be honest, there's a James Bond fan in all of us who would like to see what James Bond is like in his older years. So. Yeah, King of Spies number three rounds off the honorable mentions for 9th of February. So that just leaves us with our pick of the week. And get ready for the shortest pick of the week review you will ever hear. And that is <laughs> that is from me. So uh, my pick of the week this week, as I said, if it hadn't been for this issue. It would have been Suicide Squad, please, because it was something special. But my pick of the week was Batman Catwoman number 10. So this is written by Tom Keane. Art is Clay Man, And we are in it and end review <laughs> so what's your uh pick of the week for you <laughs> okay. Come on, okay. Come on. okay so now that's out of the way let's look let's look at the issue itself you know okay before we get to the issue let's go for a story so yeah with the the whole reason we look forward to this issue so much was obviously as, as anyone who listens or has been to the store knows you know our first big signing we had in store was having the pleasure of having clay over to the store before this series had even started and as a joke as an aside when i was sitting at the table with him when he was doing all the signings i said oh well you know if you're starting back at you should draw us into it somewhere and he sort of turned to me with a wee bit of a, a smile on his face sort of going like, you think i haven't already thought about that and i just sort of thought that's oh, just a nice wee comment it's you know it'll never come to anything but you know so issues were coming out and i have to admit i had not really heard much from him we did interview him again when he was a few issues deep but i didn't mention it at the time and I sort of thought to myself you know maybe it'll pop up maybe it won't but every issue would come out and i would always look and be like are we in this no we're not and then there was obviously clay stepped off for a couple of issues with with liam sharp coming in again we've never got the full story on that but it was what it was but clay was always coming back with issue 10 he was going to draw 10 11 and 12 but a few months before that he sent me a little uh, black and white drawn image and it was of our logo and he just sent me a message going "Did, did i get this right and i was like geez what's that for and then he showed me the full page and it was a page from this comic it was a page where catwoman and the joker were fighting they crashed out through a window and the window was of a store with our logo above it and i saw it months before i showed it to a few select people yourself of course included you know (laughs) and there was also the in the the window was also our our lovely mugs from our podcast uh, profile picture and clay said to me look it's it's not final you know this is the inked pages it's still to be colored it's still to get past editorial whatever but at that point i was really excited but at the same time i couldn't really share it because i didn't know if it would make it into the issue for all i know editorial might have went that's a copyrighted logo we can't use it whatever but he sent it back to me again and the sound effects had been added and the colors had been added. They got the colors right. Apparently he sent a really detailed color scheme guide to Tomo Moray, who's the colorist on am going, so it's a little bit of yellow here, it's a little bit of blue there. So. so it all came out beautifully. Now, the one thing was there was a large sound effect added to, you know, make for the crashing through the windows with this sort of, you know, crash down the side of the page. So unfortunately, our beautiful mugs got covered up. But if you look closely, you can just about see us under there. Uh but I I preferred that than the logo being covered because the logo is unmistakable. It's it's us. It's it's our store, it's you know, it's it's our community, it's a it's a great victory for the for that sort of thing. Whereas the pictures we knew it was us, but you know, other people might have been like, yeah, whatever. So the I mean the issue came out, I was really excited. I was like, right, I've seen it all, let's see it in print, opened it up, looked at it, and just yeah, it was it was just a great moment and it was a moment that uh, kept you on the <laughs> on the title, interestingly, because you were about <laughs> to drop it, because Liam Sharp would come in. The art wasn't really doing it for you. The story wasn't quite gripping you, which is more than fair. But then I sort of said, you know, Keith, you might want to stay on it. And then I showed you it. So that's how you make a sale, kids. That's how you do it. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, it's hard to turn out a comic whenever, whenever your local comic books, not just your local comic book store, but your face is there. You know, your 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 uh, your uh, your your comicified mug
0: yeah i mean right. clay has said that he'll send this original art i might have to get back to him on that because he's he's a busy chap and he, he just might not have got the chance yet but i might drop him a wee message just to see because again he's just such a cool guy i i when he showed me it i just said look can i have first refusal on buying that art because you know it's our logo i want that art no matter what the cost is yeah and he just said no no, no. you guys looked after me so well when i was over there we still talk about it with a great time uh i'll just send it over to you it's on me so i'm gonna have to remind him about it because i really want it in the store framed and i'm proud of place so so yeah so now that's out of the way let's actually look at the issue so
1: <laughs> a lot of story though yeah what a. I i mean i mean man, it was like
0: a few years from start to finish you know you just didn't know if it would happen you know it's yeah and it was just so satisfying to see it there and you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a real point of pride, you know, it's, it's in every comic store in the world, it's in comic stores in New York, it's in comic stores in London, it's, you know, it's all over the world, and it'll be in the graphic novel collection, I mean, it's eternal, I mean, we've, we joke all the time, you know, oh, we've completed comics now, we're part of Gotham, we we don't need to keep this store open, and then you sort of think, oh wait, no, I like this store, I'll maybe keep it open just in case, but, yeah.
1: I had, uh, I had friends, uh, friends who live in the States here. you know, american folks who uh collect comics and uh, they had messaged me independently <laughs> they hadn't been pre-warned you know they were like oh what is this hold on <laughs> you know because they either listen to the podcast or they they know the store through your posts or whatever you know so
0: yeah i mean that was the thing i didn't want to ruin it for people before it came out i would just sort of throw a little just check out there's a wee panel where the joker leaps a cow I and mean, just pay attention to the next because you always worry as well that it's not you know, sometimes you skim through issues, sometimes you don't take in all the details, whatever. But it really was massive. It was right there. You know, even Clay messaged me saying, oh, I hope it's, you know, I've drawn it big enough. And, yeah, I, I wouldn't care if it was the tiniest little thing in the corner, you know, of like a street, you know, far away. But would just been like, that's us. So, uh, but yeah, issue 10. So, unsurprisingly, the first port of call for me is it's great to welcome back Clay to the series. Not just because he put us in it, but... You know, I, I didn't mind the lame sharp art, you know, and and in fact, he actually reigned the styling quite substantially. I thought to try and meld it closely to Clay's style as he could, but but there's just something about Clay's art and his eye for detail that I think always elevates an issue. So, you know, we talked a lot on a previous pod about the Batman Catwoman special, of course, and and I think between that issue and now number 10, I it feels like the series has found its footing again and room for a strong finish to what has been at times an uneven series. You know, issue 10, it, it focuses on three separate storylines as ever, but I think they meld together better in this issue than perhaps any issue before this, save for maybe the first one. You know, we have Catwoman fighting Joker in the past, present, and fighting her daughter Helena in the future as she tries to take Selina in for, for Joker's murder. And again, you have to focus on the art for this. The art has been very cleverly thought out in this issue, especially, I thought. I mean, sometimes all three fights are taking place on the same page, and. It's done in a way that's easy to follow with catwoman's outfit again providing the clue in every instance but there's there's split panels that have the images characters and interlinking shapes but across different time frames you know the art in it's always really interesting it's detailed it's dynamic and and this even extends to the coloring with tomo moray really shining here you know the past is rendered in sort of reds reflecting selena's anger towards the joker the present is rendered in blue matching up with the icy blue design of selena's goggles and the future is rendered in purple, as Selina tries to put forward to Helena just what kind of a person the Joker was. And, you know, purple, people say, is related to wisdom. So it's uh, it's just great to see this series back on track, I find. You know, it, it, at times it has felt to be meandering a little bit. But for me, this issue put it right back to the top of the reading pad for the rest of the issues. And and honestly, that's not just because we're in it. <laughs> but we're in comics. Anyway, <clears throat> Batman. Professional game, professional. Um yeah so Batman Catwoman 10 that was my pick of the week for 9th of February
1: lovely so uh, as you say we're 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 cleaving to type again so uh, my pick of the week uh, this week is a Marvel book uh, Avengers 53 and uh, I'm very pleased to have another issue of Avengers as a pick of the week again so soon after issue 50 because uh, I am absolutely loving Jason Aaron and Juan Fergueri's uh, book, at the minute, it's as good as it has been since uh, Aaron took over. Uh, you know, since which time the, the quality of the book has been rather, I suppose, inconsistent, peaking and troughing a wee bit, but I'm s- s- sincerely hoping that he has a handle on it now. And the last eight or so issues would suggest that that is the case, you know, with the quality of the the core Avengers book climbing ahead head and shoulders over other books of its type. And that type is classic four-colour superhero team-up adventure goodness which is the bread and butter of superhero comics. This is chapter three of the multiversal Masters of Evil attack on our 616 Avengers team led by the ultimate alternate universe Doom Supreme and Aaron uh, does a really good job of laying out an issue that at first glance would appear to be one long fight but manages to sneak in some really great character moments. The, the gist of the issue is that the Avengers impenetrable headquarters inside the giant fossilized corpse of a celestial is under attack uh, by the most supremely powerful version of Doctor Doom in existence and a murderous kid Thanos still wet with the blood of his mother. The, the Black Panther fights to defend the mountain alongside uh, his surprising new teammates, King Namor of Atlantis, the Submariner, and Jane Foster, the mighty Valkyrie. Uh, there are some great high points in the issue. Chief amongst them for me is the inclusion of Jane Foster, uh, a character who Aaron spent years building up. You know her story arc dealing with cancer, as well as her role as Thor, up to the, her current role as the the leader of the the new Valkyries, and uh, her possession of the All Weapon, which is actually the ultimate Thor's hammer, uh, which is kind of kind of cool. Um, also, he's added Namor to this group after spending the you know the last four years you know Marvel painting Namor as a, an antagonist. Uh, it'd be interested to see where he goes from here as part of the Avengers. You know, when the buttons he pushes, you know, they can only add to the the melodrama of the series, and it connects nicely to the larger tapestry of Marvel's history through the continuing tension between the normally level T'Challa and Namor the Submariner following the war between their two nations. Uh, and it's great to see some fresh blood on the team after so long with like a set roster and also with the loss of Ghost Rider to Sister Title, The Avengers Forever. The um the villains from the multiversal Masters of Evil are also awesome. They're twisted versions of our familiar heroes or villains or a mashup of two or more characters. Um Kid Thanos, he's you know, interested in discovery through hurting and harming others than necessarily just killing them. Uh, He's all science. Uh, He's also a kid, Uh, you know, so his interest, his curiosity, you know, is is, is driven that way. But he's also obnoxious uh, because of that, you know. And then there's wee moments like finding out that Doom Supreme is wearing the skin of an ex-lover is... Is totally, totally horrible and twisted, and really effective at giving the reader a sense of how he's different from his six one six counterpart. And I'm interested in who that lover was, uh, you know, because uh, obviously he's just uh, almost married victorious uh, in the in the current uh, Fantastic Four run. So that would be a nice wee twist, you know. There's what what's been really fun about the last few issues has been the little twists you know or the little um i suppose uh, wrinkles that add to the characters while allowing the story forward you know and progress at a good at a good pace the avengers are all a bit overmatched one-to-one against each of the masters of evil and there's a real danger here the feeling that doom supreme whose focus is on magic could take on any of the avengers and the scene where he removes valkyrie's powers and the cancer she thought She'd fought so hard to beat re-emerges with a vengeance. is is really dark, though. It's followed by Mr. Horse charging in with a headbutt and saying bloody royalist plunker. <laughs> you know, whilst Namor struggles to get a one-up in Kid Thanos, despite his imperious wrecks, you snot nose sadist. You know, it's just uh it's just great stuff. And thank goodness for the the super heroic introduction of the Panther. Uh so all all good stuff. Um for Gary. Is the artist here, as I said, and everything just looks class. I really enjoyed his stuff on Al Ewing's Guardians of the Galaxy, and that, that's sort of where I guess I sort of maybe noticed him, or, or he, you know, he, he certainly came into my orbit, and his work here is just amazing. Namor is everything Namor should be, arrogant, kingly, you know, Valkyrie is just, she's just fearsome, and... Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's just great stuff. Um, his style, you know, really compliments Javier Garon's style, and it really makes me happy to see him sort of work on, on Avengers like this. Uh, and I'll, I'll be interested to see if he's still here, you know, when the arc finishes, because I feel like he's just getting started. So class issue, hits all the Avengers best action beats, brilliant character moments in there as well, all wrapped up in great art and uh, and a great cliffhanger. What more could you want from Avengers?
0: what more indeed i mean as long as uh, mr horse is in there i think that was probably going to be your pick of the week
1: <laughs> absolutely still one of my favorite character in introductions over the last few years did al Yoon come up with mr horse he was indeed and he left as i say a uh he left a, a linguistic style guide for uh for jason Arlen whenever he left uh he left valkyrie behind <laughs> bloody royalist plunker <laughs> class
0: last minute <laughs> save by a talking horse what more could you ask for from a comic? So, uh, yeah, no, it's good to hear with Avengers. It's it's a run that I consistently look at and think, should I jump on, should I not? Uh, but I know what I'm like. I would have to jump on it from the start. And Jason he's that's a good long run. He's, he's obviously, because he's written all of Avengers, hasn't he? He has, yeah, yeah. He hasn't stepped away at any point. I mean, if he would step away and write Southern Bastards, I wouldn't complain. But
1: Well, I mean, this is issue 53. If I was going to make a recommendation, I would say go back and grab the uh, World War She-Hulk uh, trade. Mm-hmm. uh and then whenever this uh whenever this comes out on trade um i can't remember what the story is called um i can't remember what the story's called but uh but yeah i mean this will be trade as well so uh you could you could get started there but world war she hulk started before the issue 50 the issue 50 was fantastic and then this picked up you know from that so
0: yeah, I think we have a pack of World War She-Hulk in the store, all the single issues put together, so we always, yeah. we always do our best to put together story arcs. So uh, Yeah, so Avengers 53, Keith's pick of the week for 9th of February. So that wraps up the 9th of February. Uh, so we are going to skedaddle, but we will be back soon with the 16th of February reviews. But as ever, if anything uh, you know, tickles your fancy there or anything got picked out that you'd maybe missed, just get in touch with us. We'll always do our best to source them for you. Or, of course, guide you in the direction of the trades once they hit that point as well. So uh, thanks for listening. As always, guys, uh, always is a pleasure to chat comics. And uh, we will be back with you very soon. And in the meantime, try not to get
1: thrown through the window of your local comic book store by a supervillain.
0: <laughs> we are insured, though. So if you do, just let us know. <laughs> thanks, guys. So I've been Alan Taylor and this has been Keith Miller.
1: You can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes and on Twitter where Alan is at Coffee and Heroes 1 and I'm scanison 0 Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop and community hub in Northern Ireland based at Smithfield Market in the centre of Belfast.
0: You can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel as well.